particularly once the fight got to about seven or eight rounds, when you realised that there was no way back for Quig. He would go all night, he would have gone for 30 rounds. And I thought the towel came in, should have come in. Um, you know, some I think some people say on social media they should have pulled him out earlier. It's difficult, you know, when he's not getting hurt badly, but he's got he's getting picked off non-stop. But when the output went from Scott Quigg, you know, in the opening five or six rounds, you could tell his timing weren't there, but he was still landing shots. He looked like he could be dangerous in the fight. As the fight went on, he looked like he was no longer dangerous. And that's when you got to get him out of the fight. You know, the interview at the end with Sky was was brutal. Very honest from Scott Quigg. And, uh, you know, whilst it's never my decision and you should always let the fighter decide, I think that's his lot. You know, I don't think that he's going to want to operate at a lower level than that. He's had a wonderful career. He's had huge nights here. You know, he's had huge paydays, seven-figure paydays. He's filled out arenas. You know, he's, he's made enough money to leave the sport safely and say that probably I've done everything that I could have done in the sport. And when you leave your job, sport, whatever it is, knowing you've done that, you can live a nice life. And I'm sure he's got a lot to give back to boxing. But tonight, as Jono said in the build-up, it is his time. You know, time of a 27-year-old that has got it in his legs, that has still got the timing, that has got the freshness. And, you know, he's going to go on and I think you know, I'd like to see him fight for a world title this year. We're quite for a card, obviously. Zach Parker defeating yeah. Ryan Murdoch. What did you make of Zach's victory? I thought it was a good fight and a good performance. Um, Zach Parker, I think, is going to be in very interesting fights at 168 pounds. I think he's big, he's strong. Sometimes, I think tonight, at times, he didn't show the confidence to go on and do what he did in the 11th. I think he could have done in the 8th or 9th round. And uh, I was saying to his guys, you know, put the pressure on them. Because if you would have won on points, it would have been a good performance. But to get the stoppage and a good knockout, it goes, you know, people remember that. Fans remember that. Broadcasters remember that. And, you know, he's in a position now where he's going to be number one with the WBO. If Canelo fights Billy Joe Saunders, he's going to be mandatory to the winner. So it's a big night for Zach Parker. He's got a long way to improve to mix at those levels. But I thought it was a really good performance in a good fight. Huey Fury, Pavel, so obviously Harry Huey Fury picking up a stoppage victory, impressed by him? Actually was. I think Huey Fury gets too much stick, to be honest with you. I mean, he's up against it. His cousin Tyson Fury, you know, he's 26 years of age now. At 25 and 24, he was fighting for the world heavyweight title against Joseph Parker. He went to Bulgaria to fight Kubrat Pulev. He boxed Alexander Povetkin. And tonight, I thought he looked nice and spiteful. He did all the things that he said he was going to do. Pavel Sauer is not Povetkin and Parker and those guys, but he is a decent heavyweight that doesn't really get stopped. Huey Fury is supposed to be a guy that doesn't punch very hard. I thought tonight he was punching very hard, very sharply. And actually, I think he's right up there in terms of emerging heavyweights. Even though he's lost at the highest level, I kind of feel like he's, he's a guy that could be 18, 19 and 0, being unbeaten. But because he's jumped in those fights, and fair play to him, you've got, you know, as a fan, you can't have it both ways. You know, some may say, oh, he's, you know, he's a bit boring, he moves a lot, and tonight he didn't do it. But then if you want to do that, you've got to give him respect when he jumps in those other kind of fights at that stage in his career. So to get a heavyweight who's 26, that has his movement, that could have his power. He's going to grow, he's going to develop that power. I think he, I think he's a bit of a dark horse, to be honest with you. We'll look to box him on the Usyk Chisora card uh, or the AJ card, and I think he needs a good step up now, top 15 heavyweight in the world. And I, I believe he'll, he'll get another shot at the world heavyweight title. Do you see a chance to showcase his talents fully tonight with what mm. he's worked on with Shane McGuigan, mm. but what can we take away from Anthony's Nothing week? really. I mean, it was a kick, but it's horrible when it happens, you know. You get a phone call on, was it Tuesday or something like that? Jack Flatley's fractured his ankle, wanted to go through with a fight, just couldn't couldn't carry on. You're phoning around the world trying to find someone. You find one guy, then all of a sudden he fails a medical. Then you find another guy, he ain't got a visa. He lies to you about his passport. Then you get another guy, 
in Tete, who we've had over before, who he's boxed John Ryder before, went on the six or seven rounds with John Ryder, decent enough, come over, had no grip on his shoes, and was shot to pieces. It's the truth. Like it was, it was, it was hard to watch. It's almost embarrassing. And if if it if those things hadn't have happened, I would have been seriously fucked off, to be honest with you. But there's not a lot you can do about it. You just have to take it on the chin and say, bit of a waste of time. But Fowler got out. He got paid. He got all the things that he worked on with Shane McGuigan. Didn't see it in full, but probably needs a. Just another little run out under Shane before he fights Fitz in July. A couple more quick ones from me, Eddie. What is the latest with Billy Joe and Canelo? Not a lot. They've sent us a contract. We've sent our comments back and we're waiting to hear from them. So right now, no deal, no done deal, but we're ready to go. I believe a deal will get completed, but it's not done of yet. Finally, Frank Warren responded to some of your comments mm. previously about speaking to Bob Arum, mm. joining Ranger Joshua Fury fight. Frank said that what you said is untrue and his lies. Bob Arum's assured him there's been no conversations between the two of you. Thoughts and uh, reply to that? Thoughts is my nose has just gone and wrapped around the Manchester Arena seven times. What, what do you think? Do you think that, I mean, I've had about half a dozen conversations with Bob Arum since the Fury Wilder fight. We've talked about the deal. We've talked about the TV companies. We've talked about the split. We've talked about the date. We've talked about the site. And these are all wrapped in with the Kubrat Pula. Well, what does Frank think that I'm going to speak to Bob Arum all these times and not talk about Fury Joshua? It's the biggest fight in the world. So it's not my fault that Bob hasn't told Frank that they haven't been discussing. On our side, it's very straightforward. Just talk to me and we'll get it done. I don't know. He says he's in charge. He says he's in charge. He says he's in charge. But of course I've spoke to Bob Arum six or seven times. We've discussed virtually everything. We've talked about step-aside money. We've talked about the Pulev fight. We've talked about when the fight would happen. We've talked about how it would work on ESPN and DAZN. We've talked about BT. We've talked about Sky. It's not illegal. You know what I mean? So, so, so Keith, does it, by the way, we're more than happy to sit around a table with Frank Warren and Bob Arum and MTK and everybody. I'm just telling you, Bob Arum's calling me nonstop. I'm calling him about stuff. And we're talking about Crawford, Brooke, Joshua, Pulev, Fury. This is what we do when you communicate. Unfortunately, I've never had a conversation with Frank Warren, but I'm more than happy to. He can call me up if he wants. We sit around a table and we may end up sitting around the table altogether. But it doesn't have stop me having a conversation with Bob Arum about the biggest fight in world boxing when he's Tyson Fury's promoter. So I don't know why he wants to call me a liar for saying I've spoke to Bob Arum, but I've not only spoke to Bob Arum, I've spoke to Bob Arum about basically every issue around the deal. There's been no numbers, there's been nothing discussed. We're talking about how the deal works, when it can happen, and where it can happen. And all those conversations have been extremely positive. Cheers, Eddie. Thank you. What's those conversations been like um, in terms of like where it would take place and whatnot? Nothing. The com all the conversations have been what do you think about the rematch? Uh, do you think we could look at step aside? Yes. And then obviously the, he exercised his rematch clause. Then we talked about where it would be, when they would like to do it. Uh, we talked about the TV, how it would work with ESPN and DAZN. We talked about BT and Sky, all these, but minor stuff. You know, we're not, we're not negotiating the deal. We're just talking. You know, we're talking about the big, if, in fact, if Team Fury and Team Joshua had not had a conversation since that fight, fans should be very, very concerned. Mm -hmm. You know, it was two weeks ago, it's the biggest fight in boxing. Everyone wants to get it made, so of course there's gonna be conversations. Conversations, not negotiations. Mm. That's the difference. There's a topic that's been raised, obviously, with that fight, uh, the Fury World fight, mm. and um, so much has been said already about Fury's glove 
conspiracy mm. and all that behind it. Do you believe any of that? Or well, not it? really. I mean, look, I've seen the slow-mo and everything. It don't quite look right, but, you know, people have got to understand. It's a bit like when people said to me, Anthony Joshua had a panic attack. You've got to understand, when you box in America, you have an inspector from the commission that does not leave your side. You know, those gloves would be inspected prior when they're in, when they're in, when he's got the wraps, when the wraps are in the glove. You know, it's very difficult to slip a glove down. And I don't see what benefit you can get from not having your fist inserted in a glove properly, mm -hmm. unless you want to cut someone around the hot side, which weren't really happening. So it looks like bollocks to me, but over to you. Callum Smith was obviously here tonight. Mm. He spoke to Sky and he, he said that uh, Canelo team only made one offer and then they mm. didn't reply. Where does, well, with looking like Billy Joe is going to face Canelo, where does Callum go from here? Uh, I think it's frustrating for him. You know, the person that wasn't going to get the fight is always going to be frustrated. I don't think there's still a chance he could get, like, it's small, but you never know. You know, we've gone back to Golden Warner contract. We're ready to go with, we'll talk about press conferences next week. If all of a sudden something fell through, he would get the fight. But right now it looks like Callum's not going to get the fight. We have to look at the likes of Danny Jacobs. Uh, we have to look at the likes of Caleb Plant. You know, Benavidez is tied up. Uh, Chris Eubank Jr. Maybe a John Ryder rematch. And you know, he has to do what he does, keep winning. But of course, he does want the biggest fights possible. Finally, one more from me. Kel Brook and Crawford, you mentioned there. Uh, they obviously met in uh, Vegas, had a little mm. chat. What's the situation there? You mentioned it, obviously. Yeah, I had a, had a conversation with Bob Aaron about that fight. And we talked about, you know, we talked about uh, the Saudi fight with Pacquiao. Mikey Garcia, or how does Crawford fit into that mix? Then we talked about Crawford fighting Kel Brook, which is a fight we like, and you know that's something that we're open to as well. Does Amir Khan fit that mix at all? Not really, no. I mean, I think Amir's just had a child. He's got um, Ramadan coming up in I think end of April, so he'll be out till July, August time. So I don't think Amir's going to box probably till September onwards. So we've, we've not had any conversations about the Kel Brook fight. Uh, and, and you know we've got other plans for Kel Brook that involve a possible Terence Crawford fight or a domestic fight with Liam Smith. Is Amir going his own way? Then I know you've done bits of work with him. Yeah, I mean I, we had a good chat tonight, and I just said, look, let's catch up. But you know I, I've got a, the biggest fight or one of the biggest fights in British boxing ready to go for him, but I can't do any more than try and get him in that fight. Yeah. Jack Collum tonight. Really good. Yeah, really good. Uh, the fight with Jason Quigley, which is, will probably land here on May the 2nd will be a cracker. He will never be in a bad fight and great fans. Good to bring him back after the Phoenix Cash fight because you know some people just sort of say, sorry mate, you lost. But I like Jack Cullen. I think he's an exciting fight and I think he's got a great fan base and we'll see him again on May the 2nd. And just one more on Scott Quigg. Mm. If this is the end, yeah. which you're suggesting it maybe should be, it's how, not, how yeah. do you reflect on the career? I, re I reflect on, on a great career. You know, when you, when you leave a sport, you leave a job, when you're sitting on your sofa when you're older, as long as you know you've given it 120%, you can't be disappointed. He's given it 150%. He has put so much into his career, worked so hard, like in a, almost in a sick way, we've always taken the mickey out of him. Now Joe will say to him, I don't want to see you, go away for two days, don't, and he'll be back in the gym the next day, you know? So he's got every ounce out of his career, um, and he can leave with a lot of money, world championships, experiences of filling this place, trying to unify here, you know, boxing Carl Frampton, great nights against Kiko Martinez, you know, Oscar Valdez challenge for the world title in, in America. Uh, another win in America in Boston on our card last year. I think he's had a great career. In terms of John O'Carroll, how far do you think he can go in this sport? And obviously he has the gift of the gab as well as the skills in the ring as well. Must be a bit of a promoter's dream for yourself. Yeah, I mean, look, I think he had a great fight with Tevin Farmer that was actually quite close. You know, I had Tevin winning that fight by a round or two. 
Um, John O'Box really well tonight. A lot of the conversations will be Quick's timing weren't quite there, et cetera, et cetera. But actually, John O's feet were excellent. His movement was excellent. His shot selection was excellent. And, you know, he's a real character. You know, that's what you want. You want someone that's, you know, going to get in people's faces and rough them up the wrong way and give you great interviews and sound bites and pictures. And, you know, and I, I think what he says is quite true. He's only really, when you, three of his fights were in prize fire, you know, and they were over four rounds. So really, you know, he had a 10 round fight in Mexico. He went 12 with Tevin. He went 12 with Fenoir, and I think maybe one other 10 round or something like that. He's not, he's not been in loads of loads of championship fights. And I thought tonight was a really good performance. How good it was, we may never know because Scott Quigg might have done a lot better in the fight back in his glory days. But you still can't take anything away from Jono's performance, which I thought was excellent. You mentioned that Huey Fury does get some unfair stick, mm. but it was an aggressive performance yeah. in terms of what he's displayed in the past. Do you see him replicating that style in the future? Or? I think you have to, because I think ultimately he's only going to get the plaudits. He's only going to get the respect if he entertains and if he fights like that. You know, um, Tyson Fury has, for a long time in his career, boxed in an awkward style and been a bit awkward. And when he's stepped up to higher levels, he's boxed better. And I think that'll be the same with Fury as well. Like, Pavel Sauer's not a world beater, but he's tough. You know, he's been in with a lot of top heavyweights and gone the distance. And, he, you know, you wouldn't often say he couldn't handle the power of Huey Fury, but that's actually true. Huey's not supposed to be a puncher, but he's only 26 years old. You know, he's learning. He's going to develop more power. And I think when he's more aggressive, I felt in the Povetkin fight, if he would have been more aggressive in that fight, it would have been a much closer fight. Yeah. But I don't know whether it's confidence, whether it's the injuries he talked about, but when you, when you think that this is a 26-year-old British heavyweight, like, there's not many heavyweights in Britain at, at his age that you could say, you know, uh, have got the potential to go on and win a world title. So I think we should be crediting him more, especially for the risks he's taken in the past. You know, Pulev in Bulgaria, Povetkin recently, uh, Joseph Parker here. Like he's, he's taken a lot of chances in his career and I think fans should respect that. You can't have it both ways. You know, one always oh, a bit boring, and two oh bloody hell, he fights everybody. Don't care. Like you should be credited for that. And when there's a performance that you don't think is boring, you should give him the appreciation and the credit. And I think tonight was one of those. Do you think that a Joseph Parker rematch for him could be potentially next or yeah, I, down the line? I like a fight in the summer, like uh, you know Kuzmin uh, or a Romanov or you know these kind of guys. I want like a top 15 just on the, the fringes and then after another one of them I think he's ready to go and fight for another world title you know he's a Brit obviously he's a fury um, he's got a good story he's got a great trainer and I'm excited about it um, just finally you announced that Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano is taking place on the stacked Dillian White card just summarise how massive that is not just for combat sports as a whole but the city of Manchester as well yeah it's I mean look it's the biggest ever female fight and you know we're getting to a stage now where you see governing bodies taking the world word female off the world championship belt which is exactly how it should be we, we need to stop talking about men's and women's boxing because it's just boxing and it's i've never been in an unentertaining fight at that kind of level now you've got terry harper at the moment it's fantastic she's fighting natasha jonas as the first ever all british world world championship fight you've got katie taylor fighting serrano it's so refreshing in the women's game they fight everybody you know, all the belt holders are willing to fight everybody. People are willing to challenge people for world titles. People don't want easy defences. And it's it's really refreshing. And the top level, you've got Chantelle Cameron as well. You know, we're going to announce her in a world title fight coming up. And then you've got Savannah Marshall fighting for a world title on April the 4th. You know, it's exciting times. And I think 
it's, it's now major. I mean, actually tonight was probably the first time in a long time that we haven't had a, a female fight on the card over here. And that, you know, when you've got the Terry Harper fight coming up, we've got three female fights on that card. Um, and you'll see two female fights, I think on the May 2nd fight here. But you know, we know that, that Dylan White's a big draw. We've done over 8,000 tickets in the first 36 hours of sale here. It's gonna, this place will be completely full up on May 2nd. And um, Katie Taylor's a big draw, and it's a wonderful fight. Can we see uh, three-minute rounds in that fight? Or you won't, because of WBC's rules are two-minute rounds. Okay. So they have to change their rules. Yeah. Do you know what? I feel that two-minute rounds are actually quite entertaining. Yeah. You know, I think the argument is you'll see more stoppages um, extending the rounds. I don't think you'd see a complaint from the fighters. I don't mind the format, personally. I think it's short, short and sharp. But as we start to become more educated about women's boxing... I think people may want to see longer rounds. I think at first there was still an element of it being a bit gimmicky when I brought it in. And you, you know, the fact that it was two minute rounds was like, oh, it's short, sharp content, short, sharp formats. Now, when you're seeing the quality that you're seeing, there is going to be demand for longer rounds, but we need the governing bodies to decide collectively that they're happy with three minute rounds. Yeah. Serrano Taylor will be two minute rounds, it's sanctioned, it's already done so. Uh, but you know, I don't think the fighters would have a problem with it. Are you going to have to keep tradition and go last? Yeah. Uh, just your sales pitch on the next few events. Obviously, with the Northeast flavour, Newcastle card. Yeah. We've got Josh well, Kelly. Well, the first one, the next one is uh, Josh Kelly and David Avenisian, which it's, it's a tough one for us because we've really taken a gamble to go to the O2 to give him the ultimate spotlight. Because I feel like if you're going to take a gamble like that, if it comes off and you do it there with all with all the profile, you're going to be a big big star. You know. So we're. You know, we're in a huge arena. We're selling decent amount of tickets. We're certainly not going to be filling it up. But I don't care because I want Josh Kelly to get that platform to see if he can be a superstar. And I think he'll thrive in that kind of, superstar, in that, that kind of fight. It is an absolutely brilliant fight. David Avenesian is an animal. He will not stop from the first round to however long he's in there. Josh Kelly's going to be put under immense pressure throughout the whole fight. But I think that's the kind of environment that you see him shine. Boatsy, Ben... Uh, Ellie, um, Ellie Scottney making her professional debut on the card. Great fight with Luther Clay against Chris Congo on that card as well. Big fight being announced for Felix Cash on Monday. Then we go up to Newcastle, um, where I'm trying. I keep getting told off for how many fights I've got on the card. Well, basically, whenever I go to Newcastle, they call me at the press conference, all these local managers, and go, oh, can I have my kid on? He'll sell 400. And I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they all phone the office, ordering tickets, and go, who, who are these people? Oh, Eddie said he could go on. So we've got about 13 fights at the moment. We've got obviously Lewis Ritson against uh, Vasquez. We've got Joe Laws. We've got Savannah Marshall fighting for the world title. You've got Thomas Patrick Ward. Um, you've got Cash Farouk going to be making his matchroom debut. You've got a great heavyweight fight between Simon Villili and Fabio Waldley. You've got Chad Ellis just had a good win. Um, blimey, I mean, it goes on and on. Terry Wilkinson, April Hunter. Like, I don't know, just so many fights. And, and again, big name additions, Eddie, because there was talk of Callum Johnson, but yeah, obviously he's bringing announced. Yeah, probably yeah. not, probably not. Um, we've done, oh man, over 7,000 already up there, so we've still got a month left. It's going to be full up. Then we've got May, this, uh, sorry, April 24th, which, well, April 17th first in uh, Washington, which is going to be Maurice Hooker against Regis Progress, Cecilia Brackhouse against McCaskill, hopefully the Campbell Fortuna fight falling on that card as well. Um, then we've got April 24th, Terry Harper against Natasha Jonas, Kieran Conway against Nav Mansouri. Um, also on that fight, on that card is Shannon Courtney, 
Also on that card is Dante Dixon. Also on the card is... Sorry? Dalton Smith. Also on the card is the other kid who... Anthony Tomlinson. Uh, That's a 24th. Then May the 2nd is going to be... I think May the 2nd will be one of the best cards we've ever done. You're going to have White Povetkin, Taylor Serrano, Callum Johnson against McAlkin. We're going to make Jack Cullen against Jason Quigley. And Fitz is on the card as well. Another exciting addition which will be announcing this week as well. That's for May the 2nd. Scott Fitzgerald. Yes, he'll be on the card, Fitz, yep. And then May the 23rd, we'll announce on Friday, which will be Usyk against Jazora. I don't know why I bother telling you. I'm supposed to be announcing it's next week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Is this something you're in Manchester? No, 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 that's at the O2. So there'll be another big white world title. Actually, there'll be two world title fights on that card for Brits, going challenging for world titles. Uh, 